Welcome to the IAB podcast. Hello and welcome once again to the IAB UK podcast, brought to you with the help of our sponsor, Spotify. I'm James Chandler, Chief Marketing Officer at the IAB, and this week we're talking all things leadership. This episode's lineup is the equivalent of a Glastonbury Festival Saturday night, headlined by Beyonce, U2, Taylor Swift, and the newly reformed Oasis all combined. In short, it's an absolute stonker. We've brought the IAB's big guns out for an episode themed around our Leadership Summit, which takes place in just under three weeks, on the 22nd and 23rd of February. We'll be deconstructing the IAB UK gold standard in under two minutes with our Chief Digital Officer, Tim Elkington, getting the skinny on life inside IAB Towers from our CEO, John Mew, and as always, enjoying ten quick-fire questions about work, life and to-do lists with the illuminating Jonathan Milne from Seltra. And we welcome podcast extraordinaire and Leadership Summit speaker Bruce Daisley into the studio to talk alongside our Chief Operating Officer Jane McNeil about happiness and work culture. So, thanks for joining us for episode three. If you've downloaded this to keep you company on a long walk or you're just trying to put off that big stack of emails, hopefully by the end of this episode you'll feel inspired and up to speed on what's happening in digital advertising this week. In under three weeks, Sopwell House will play host to the third annual IAB Leadership Summit, where across two days, the focus will squarely be on the big topics that will define digital advertising in the next 12 months. So, of course, regulation, measurement, innovation and brand safety will all be covered. But this year, we're putting a sharper focus on diversity, well-being and work culture, all things that are critical in defining modern leadership in our industry. So it's an absolute pleasure this week to welcome to the podcast Bruce Daisley, EMEA VP at Twitter, presenter of the Eat Sleep Work Repeat podcast and co-founder of the New Work Manifesto and our very own Jane McNeil, Chief Operating Officer at the IAB and former CEO of the award-winning digital agency, Agency Republic and Honorary Treasurer of WACL, which stands for Women in Advertising and Communications London. So welcome to you both. Hello. Thank you. We have shored up our commitment to regional voices on this week's podcast, <laughs> pure, purely in this segment, which is which is wonderful. Bruce, we'll start with you. You, you talked about in the, um, in, in the blurb to the session, the number one ask of digital leaders is to create an agile, innovative culture. It's also uh, the thing that we most of us secretly feel like we're, we're failing what did you mean by that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, in, inevitably the, we're sort of in the midst of these big two mega trends. And the, the one is the arrival of email on everyone's phone, and that was sort of 10, mm. 15 years ago. And then the, the next is the uh, the arrival of automation. And irrespective of how big an impact that you think that's going to have in any of our working lives, one thing's pretty sure is that the, the discriminating factor is going to remain creativity and sort of creative cognitive input. And Broadly, my feeling, having spent sort of a year immersed in the research around this, mm. is that the second trend is going to be strongly affected by the first. So the fact that we're heads down consuming 130 emails a day, mm. the average Brit spends two days in meetings, it, those things are crowding out our capacity to be inventive and creative. So I think... The thing I've found is that there's no shortage of very simple advice of how we can try and become more creative and, mm. and try and stimulate our creative muscles. 
but we need to make decisions of, of what we get rid of, actually, to, to how we accomplish that. And how do you think we've got to this point where we're having to say, very upfront to people, right, turn the notifications off your emails on your phone? Is it all a technology thing or is it there's sort of a human thing involved in it as well? You know, there's a really interesting phenomenon where um, if you look at the amount of technological innovation that we've seen in the last 20 years, mm. I mean, it's, it's bewildering and, mm. and it's and it's exhilarating right but actually never in history has that amount of technological improvement happened with zero impact on productivity UK productivity is uh, if not flat then it, it, it did go down in a couple of quarters last year and it's because we've added more technology I, I think specifically we can almost pinpoint email as having had a a deleterious effect on what we can accomplish at work. And so that's not to say that we need this Luddite return to the fields mm. sort of mentality, but we probably do need to make decisions about how we engage in email and whether we try and bias to email being an external communication tool rather than an internal communication tool, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and Jane, you ran Agency Republic for 11 years. Agencies, uh, for good or for bad, have a bit of a reputation of being unforgiving places when it comes to new business pitches and all that sort of thing. How did you make it work when you are running an agency? I believe any service-led, margin-driven business is going to have a hard-working environment and there is no doubt that pitches shift that up a gear. Mm. I think the big thing is to be really clear why you're asking people to do what you're asking them to do. So, for instance, one thing we had was a very clear pitch criteria, which we called the four C's. And essentially, we assessed every single pitch that came into the business based on those four C's, which were creativity, culture, client and cash. And essentially, as long as a pitch met three of those four criteria and we shared that reasoning Mm -hmm. with the team, people bought into it. Now, clearly, if every single time it was cash was the big one, Mm -hmm. um, then we were having the wrong balance. But uh, the one that we were very clear about was culture. So, yes, it was important. It was a creative opportunity and it was important it was going to deliver cash. And it was a client that we would like to have the name above the door. Uh, But if the culture of the client wasn't right for the agency, that would be a big no-go for us. It wasn't going to... You can't ask people to work the hours that you work for within a culture that wouldn't match the culture of the agency itself. Yeah, and and you mentioned balance there. What what do you think about this work-life balance, the idea that the two are sort of intertwined and sort of never shall exist on their own? Um, I believe that you bring your whole self to work Mm. and to be the best version of that self there needs to be a blend yeah bruce headspace thing you know even when you think about pitches in terms of what what jane's talking about headspace and being able to be creative and think strategically and be innovative is mega important you make a case in the new work manifesto that actually trying to do that in an open plan office of which many of us now work in is a pretty hard place to do it. Yeah, and I was chatting to I've I've chatted to a few architects and and office designers in the last few weeks and I think you know they're coming to realize that offices probably need a sort of mixed economy of spaces for people to to mm. run and hide in cubby holes. Um as well as sort of sitting and and in open plan. Look, we're, we're not we're, I'm really 
very realistic. So, you know, we created this New Work Manifesto and the, the, the idea of the New Work Manifesto is they are eight very simple edits mm. to the way we're working. So what I don't believe is that we're going to we're going to go to a world where everyone was working from home and working remotely and working from their sort of their barge in the middle of the Norfolk Broads. We're not going to do that. We've got to make these like mini little edits of what we're doing. And one of them, like, is turning your notifications yeah. off your email. Another one is taking a lunch break. N- none of these things are going to win uh, prizes for sort of revolution. But I think what they they do is they try and give people permission to edit the way they're working, to, to adapt the way they're working. And the, the whole benefit of the New Work Manifesto and some of the stuff I'm going to be talking about is that everything we talk about is rooted in science. Because I chatted to this brilliant guy who um, who owns a company called Unbound, who's sort of on-demand publishers. And he said inside of him, he hates it, but inside of him lives an 18th century mill owner. <laughs> and the 18th century millionaire looks out, and if everyone's not sitting at their desks at 10 o'clock or 3 o'clock, he's like, where is everyone? They need to yeah. be manning the looms if we're going to make the output we need today. And the truth is, because we're all on our phones, the average working day's increased by two hours since we've had email on our phones. Because we're working in these sort of time-shifted and place-shifted environments, we're all doing far more work than probably the mill owner will spot. And... We've all got the mill owner inside us. Mm. We've all got mm. the mill owner when we turn to the person next to us. And yeah. we might not even say it, but when they get up to leave at four o'clock, the mill owner is the, the person voicing that. And if we're going to try and accomplish something creative and, and try and sort of be the differentiated version of ourselves that we're all capable of being, then we've got to try and make edits the way we're working. The, the eight things are amazing, but it's properly unstitching it from behaviour, isn't it? And it, you know, it starts with leaders from the top, but it, I mean, it's not easy to do, is it? If that's the way you've seen things done in other businesses you've worked in, you sort of bring all that to, to work with you, don't you? Yeah. And the intention might be that people say, all I'm going to try and accomplish in the next three months is take a lunch break, right. take a lunch break twice a week you know we're all sort of very accustomed to to Mm. eating our boots meal deals at our desk (laughs) but you know even if you just say i'm going to try and twice a week have a lunch break and actually all the evidence suggests try and have a lunch break with a colleague is by far the most productive thing but even Mm. just taking a pause from your desk can be really helpful and the intention of the new work manifesto is it's just a free website where anyone can go and it may be like bring a bit of science to their team meeting. Say to their boss, how about we all take a lunch break together on, yeah. on Thursday? Go and we sit in a meeting room and eat our sandwiches together. Because there's so much science about the benefit of those things. And the problem is, is that whether they're 18th century mill owners or the, <laughs> the naysayers of any organisation, normally the people who say, the sort of the Michael Gove-inspired you know, people who sort of challenge experts... Um, the people who come along and say, oh, I speak common sense, we don't need that, they're the people who win because people haven't normally got the evidence to push back with. Yeah. So the intention of the whole manifesto, the intention of everything I'm doing, is to, is to empower people with just an article from The Economist, a TED talk, mm. a piece that they saw in The Guardian, to try and say, actually, there's quite a lot of evidence saying that you might be wrong on that. Yeah. So at least the conversation feels... Um, fueled with evidence rather than just conjecture yeah and all that stuff ladders up to the culture that you create i suppose thinking about your time at republic or you know work club after that and even at the ib now what what's the sort of thing you think you've been most proud of in in creating a culture um well it's an interesting one because in many ways what created a brilliant culture for agency republic which was you know some time ago Mm. and you know, it was a very successful agency. We won Agents of the Year six times. We were 130 people when we were at uh, our biggest. And there was a lot that was 
still very relevant. It's strong leadership who genuinely liked each other. Mm. We were passionate about create a product. Uh, we had a very strict recruitment policy. So we you know, hired, really took recruitment seriously and we had a shared vision. And I think these are all things that do create very strong culture today. Um, I think if, however, I was recreating Agency Republic, it wouldn't be so successful now. Right. I feel that we, we perhaps created a little bit of a cult. Mm. Um, we were based in Battersea, which uh, on the one hand was fantastic because people formed such close bonds and friendships, but they spent probably a little bit too much time together. You know, no underground we, either. There was no underground. Uh, so they spent a lot of time on the bus. Um, but, you know, we we ate together. People went on holiday together. Became a little bit insular. Right. And I think if I was recreating that, I would be aware that people shouldn't be quite so insular in a work environment. So did it people, worked. Did people, it worked uh, really well. Did new people get accommodated and, and adapted in? Well, that was an interesting thing. If they didn't fit in, it was a bit like a body rejecting a kidney. And almost, if they didn't fit in, it was because maybe they didn't want to be Mm, as immersed in the culture as the culture we'd created. And I think we missed out a little bit on that Mm. because there were people that had real skills, but perhaps because they weren't one of us, they got rejected. And I think that's something that I would definitely learn from is you need to be a lot less insular if you're going to create a culture that really, really works. Yeah, and, and, and Bruce, you were just talking about pub culture the other day uh, on Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. You know, that whole idea of, of collectively, I remember when I was in agency, you all used to go to the pub every Thursday, you know, you'd do it with the same people. You don't feel like it would still be like that today. Yeah, I think you have to be really accepting that people have lives outside work yeah. and um, some people just don't want to do everything together. Mm. And some people maybe don't want to have lunch with their colleagues because they have a priority that they have to get home for for whatever reason. And I think you need to be flexible mm. and you need to be open and encourage it, but you can't force it. Yeah, uh, You've met some phenomenal people, Bruce, through doing the podcast. Who's the best one you think you've met or the best sort of zaniest, wackiest idea or thing that's really stuck out for you? Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, some of the things I'm most inspired by, I've, I've chatted, I've got a podcast coming up uh, about some of like the weird work rituals that companies have, right. which is not chatting to experts. It's going to chat to someone at Y&R told me that ha- they have crisp Thursday and then like someone else told me about... Um, uh, someone t- about the the power of bring your dog to work day, and and another person told me about at Radio One. Their ritual was that they had these heroically spectacular leaving speeches. Right. So all these little rituals, mm. actually, and they all. F- my feeling is increasingly that they form a part of of us. Um, connecting with each other. The, the guy who was at Radio 1 described, he, he gave me a reference point of this Brian Eno 
John Peel lecture. And John Peel heard these two pensioners sitting on a bus talking about Coronation Street. And he said he realised that what they were doing, they were using culture to, to synchronise with each other. And I think, you know, that increasingly my feeling is these are really important of everyone in office environments achieving some sort of degree of synchronisation. And it's why that Friday meeting that you have or crisp Thursday or the Monday morning check-in that feels sometimes like it's bereft of like substantive content, yeah. actually some of the most important time that you spend together. Because it's what the pub culture used to do. But in fact, yes. I think everyone's increasingly aware that pub culture is divisive, exclusive and slightly cliquey. If you're in the clique, it can be, mm. it can be magnificent fun. But trying to achieve a synchronisation amongst people in almost this casual way is really powerful. Yeah. And this, the best thing about work culture right now is that over the last 10 years, there's more and more technology that enables us to measure it. So there's this brilliant guy, um, well, two, two people from, from Massachusetts Institute of Technology mm. who've allowed us to measure the face-to-face interactions of people, of how they're talking to each other. And what you learn is that if you give, you know, even in a call centre, if you give 15 minutes simultaneous break to people who work alongside each other, the synchronisation they achieve increases their productivity 23%, it reduces their stress levels 19%. And so, weirdly, it's about trying to carve a space uh, in the in the working week that permits people to have these casual synchronisations. Right. Uh, uh, leave this one uh, with you both, just to finish off. For people that are listening to this, start with you, Jane, a top tip for someone to, you know, think about approach work differently, enjoy it, get more out of it, be a bit more productive, what would your top tip be? I would say have a sense of purpose, know why you're doing what you're doing, Um, reflect on each day, have a think when you get home what you've achieved, also what made you happy Mm. and maybe what areas of your work you didn't enjoy so much and have a think why that's the case. Um, and finally, uh, very simply, work with people that you like. Mm. But you, Bruce? I think the secret of work in the next 10 years is taking stuff out of it. One of the challenges that we've got, that people say, we've got this new new initiative, we want this programme that everyone's going to go on, everyone's going to go on this this new training thing, we've got, we're going to be doing 360 appraisals for everyone, we want everyone to do, attend this mindfulness course. And the secret of... of Making work better right now is taking stuff off because creativity lives in the gaps between mm. things. And if there's no gaps in between things, and empathy and synchronisation lives in the gaps between things. And there's, if there's no gaps between things, what you've, you've, you're missing out is, you know, a wall with no cement between the bricks falls over. And unless we've got, like, the glue of, of that's bonding people together that almost is invisible, it's imperceptible, actually we're destroying work. And fundamentally, work is less fun than it used to be like 10 years ago. I promise you, it really is. And it's because those gaps are being squeezed out. So sometimes we, we, we can't see what's in those gaps. Yeah. Those gaps, the, the, the mortar between the bricks is what makes a wall. Nice. That's perfect. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Bruce. And don't forget, Bruce will be speaking more about work culture on day two of our Leadership Summit on the 22nd and 23rd of February up at Sopwell House in St Albans. For more information, go to iebuk.net and tap on the Leadership Summit box on the homepage. You can't miss it. And if you can't wait until then and are in need of some new work manifesto instant gratification, find Bruce's brilliant Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat in all the usual places you find your podcasts. And don't forget to follow him on Twitter at Bruce Daisley. Here at the IAB, we know that digital advertising can sometimes be a bit overwhelming. 
So this next part of the podcast is dedicated to making the complex simple. Each week, we simmer down complicated issues relating to policy, standards, privacy, regulation and measurement into a handy, bite-sized two minutes. And I said at the start we'd rolled out the big guns this week, and none bigger than the IAB's Chief Digital Officer and founding father of the IAB UK Gold Standard, Tim Elkington. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Hi, James. So uh, I guess the reason we're talking about uh, Gold Standard this week is because it was partly born out of some of the things that came out of last year's Leadership Summit town halls and you know, will no doubt be talked about at length again this year. So let's get straight into it. In a nutshell, what is the IAB UK Gold Standard? So the IAB UK Gold Standard brings together three existing initiatives in the area of best practice. There's ads.txt that tackles ad fraud. There's the Better Ad Standards Guidelines from the Coalition for Better Advertising that addresses ad blocking. And then there's the JICWeb's DTSG Brand Safety Principles that help maximise brand safety. And what does all of it mean for, for digital advertising? So the IAB UK Gold Standard is really important in terms of digital advertising because it provides companies involved the chance to show the market that they're doing all they can to to meet these three key challenges. So it shows that they're tackling ad fraud, it shows that they're minimising ad blocking and it shows that they're maximising brand safety. It also feeds really importantly into our sort of overall vision which is building a sustainable future for digital advertising. So we're encouraging people to improve digital advertising and to adhere to these best practice standards. Brilliant. And if you're listening to this, how can you find out more? So the best way to get involved is go to the website. It's iabuk.net forward slash gold standard, or people can email us goldstandard at iabuk.net. Brilliant. Thank you, Tim. And as Tim said, to find out more about our gold standard, head to iabuk.net forward slash gold standard. There you'll find all the details on how to register and the process for getting certified. We also post a constant stream of gold standard updates on Twitter. So if you don't already, just follow us at IABUK. This week at the IAB, we've been battling Australian flu. Fun fact, it's not from Australia. Entertaining our nearest and dearest members at our members' evening. And of course, putting the finishing touches to the third annual IAB UK Leadership Summit, which takes place at the end of the month. Joining me today is Anna Randalls from our events team, who has had Leadership Summit at the very top of her to-do list for the best part of nine months, and the dear leader himself, IAB UK CEO, John Mew. So Anna, we heard from Lizzie a couple of episodes ago that um, you know everything was going well with the Leadership Summit prep, but how's it going now? We're about three weeks out. You know what, James, it's going really well. I've spoken to all our wonderful speakers. They're working on their presentations right now. All the branding has been finalised. Just really good. I guess it's the calm before the storm. Mm, and But critically, you've done the wine tasting and the food tasting. Oh, absolutely. We book that as soon as we book the venue. Um, John, Summit's in its third year. What are you looking forward to the most? We've got some amazing speakers this year, some great industry leaders from agencies, more brands, I think, talking mm. than we've ever had before. Really looking forward in particular to Nick Hughes' session, mm-hmm. the CEO of The Telegraph. He did a great uh, upfront session last year where he shared kind of their, their new vision and, and what they're doing at The Telegraph. And I think particularly because he's someone that's got such a great digital pedigree and works yeah. in industry so much, I think it's going to be a really interesting session. So Anna, Leadership Summit is slightly different from some of the other things we do like Engage, isn't it? What, what is it that makes it so different? 
Well, James, it's um, a two-day event. It's outside of London in Hertfordshire. We invite uh, senior industry leaders to join us there. It's Chatham House rules, so uh, no one can report on what's mm-hmm. being said, which provides an open, honest forum for discussion. Yeah. So we hope that delegates come out there with um, tangible outcomes and help the IEB shape the future of digital advertising. Yeah, it's all about that vision. Um, and John, you know, you go to engage a thousand people at the Barbican. People are supposed to come away inspired and do and feel incredibly uplifted about digital. What is it that you want people to go away from leadership summits or thinking and feeling? So I guess the key thing is coming away from the summit thinking, you know, what can I do to help to build that sustainable future mm. for digital? So it's what are the things I've learned that I can apply to my business, but importantly, what are the things that I can do to really help us to improve that digital ad experience and make this industry even better? And thinking about, I mean, it's only in year three, but thinking about uh, leadership summits from yesteryear, favourite memory for you, John? Well, there, there were lots of good memories. I think probably a personal highlight has to be interviewing Jimmy Wales oh, yeah. um, because he is a, a personal hero of mine. You know, the stuff he's changed the face of the internet. Wikipedia has changed mm. so much. Um, so, so getting to meet and talk to him was was absolutely brilliant. But actually, it's, it's a bit cheesy. But I think I really enjoy the stuff that comes out of it. It's an event where we get tangible stuff that actually dictates what we do at the IAB and what yeah. we do for the industry for the following year. Um, so those really kind of tangible things that come out of it are actually incredibly valuable to us. And, and we heard from Tim earlier talking about the gold standard and really that started from some of the town halls that we had last year and it's sort of built and built and built. So the actual stuff that comes out of it. And finally to finish then, uh, one for you both, and only because we've got him coming up straight after this on the 10 quickfire questions. Uh, Anna, starting with you, favourite ever Jonathan Milne moment? Oh, well, I've certainly got one. Yes, he does a fantastic rendition of I Want to Break Free by (laughs) Queen. He did it at the karaoke at Leadership Summit last year. Debuted, never to be heard again. And uh, John, what about you? Favourite ever mill moment? So obviously I have to pick one I can share. Um, and it would have to be the, the infamous Jonathan Milne face swap, which I have actually shown to people that don't know him and have left them in, in tears of laughter. Uh, <laughs> where we, we did a face swap with him at a Seltra party a few years ago. Um, and his face disappeared out of the picture and we couldn't work out what's happened. It was only after looking closely at the picture, 10 minutes later, realised his face had disappeared onto someone else in the background of the picture (laughs) and created this kind of hideous monstrosity that you you would never want to meet in a dark alley. Uh, We need to find a way of surfacing that for for the listeners, which we will. Um, Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you. 1,200. That's the number of seconds in 20 minutes, so roughly the length of this podcast, and roughly the number of member organisations that make up the IAB. So every week in this part of the podcast, we put one under the spotlight. That's right. We invite someone from a different member organisation to spend one minute answering as many of our 10 quickfire questions as they can. And joining me this week to talk apps, search engines and digital detoxes is none other than Jonathan Milne, Chief Revenue Officer at Seltra. So Jonathan, the rules are simple. 10 questions in 60 seconds. Are you ready? I was born ready. What advice would you give your 21-year-old self? Um, Life's pretty long. Take your time and enjoy it. On the other hand, 
make sure you enjoy the journey. It's not just about the destination. Tell us something you borrowed from someone else but never gave back. Probably the most interesting one, a black velvet cape I borrowed from my mum when I was 13 from a school play and left in the bottom of my locker. Incredible. Uh, best boss you've ever had? The late Stephen Bacon. In the late 90s, he taught me the single most valuable thing I learned, which was listen, understand and solve. Uh, and what was the last app you deleted? I never delete apps. Don't need to. I've still got the Yo app. Oh, Mm, never mind, the only one. Eat the frog or boil the ocean? What kind of idiot are you? In what format do you keep a to-do list? Used to try, don't bother anymore, just focus on the things that are most important. Digital detoxes are all the rage for 2018. Have you got plans to do one? Absolutely not. Google aside, how many old search engines can you name? Uh, Yahoo, Excite, AltaVista, Ask Jeeves, I could keep going if you want. A small unsweetened or lightly sweetened cake made from flour, fat and milk and sometimes having added fruit, scone or scone? Scone. Scone. And who would play you in a biopic of yourself? Clearly Zlatan Ibrahimovic. (laughs) Look at it. Both very good-looking chaps, similar physiques, and I fancy myself as a footballer too. It's uncanny. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much indeed, Jonathan. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks again to our sponsor, Spotify, and thank you for listening. We hope it's been enlightening and you've learnt something, even if it's just that Jonathan Milne owns a black velvet cape that he's never given back to his mum. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and spread the word to anyone else you think might be interested. And while you're at it, if you really enjoyed it, why not join the other 29 digital thought leaders and give us a five-star rating? We'll be back in two weeks, but in the meantime, if you want more information on what the IAB does or how you can get in touch with us, find us online at iabuk.net or at IABUK on Twitter and Instagram. You can even email us, podcast at IABUK.net. Thanks for listening. The IAB Podcast from SNK Studios.